Welcome to Behind the Curtain, LA Opera's podcast series in which we look deeply at the creative process and explore opera's enduring themes and power to move us. In this podcast, composer Du Yun and creative producer Beth Morrison chat with musicologist Dr. Tiffany Kuo about the opera In Our Daughter's Eyes, which is showing April 13th, 14th, 16th, and 17th, 2022 at Red Cat in downtown Los Angeles. Tickets to the world premiere of In Our Daughter's Eyes are available now at laopera.org. First of all, it's it's wonderful to be able to speak to both of you, two artists. I consider Beth Morrison our modern day impresaria. I think we don't use that word, and I think it's important to use that word because that's who you are, and that really I hope that encapsulates what you do, Beth. And Du Yun, I see you as like a 21st century, you know, composer, musician, artist, right? You're not. I mean, I don't think I'm not 16th century. Yes. <laughs> but you know the, the idea of the composer being so sort of like um uh, specialized these days but you're not you perform and you're you're really to me you're an artist um so i'm really excited about this world premiere so it's a one-man show yeah with nathan gunn that's exciting and so this idea of you know the title says in our daughter's eyes the main character is a father to be as I was reading it, it talks about the journey of the father and the struggle of the father and this idea of self-realization. What is that father's struggle and what is that self-realization? It started with a conversation with me and Nathan back in 2016. And we were sort of talking about toxic masculinity and how that phrase had come into really into our culture and kind of reminiscing on the fact that there aren't a lot of stories that are being told about men and like in a good way. And like, what does masculinity in the 21st century mean? And so that was really like our starting point of the beginning of this project. And it was always meant to be a one-man show for him. And then we brought Duyun and Michael McCulkin into the project and Michael found this wonderful, true story about this couple who had gone through this sort of very fraught pregnancy. Before that, when we brought Duyun into the project, and I'll let her talk about this, it was really like, she says, you know, that having stories around fatherhood don't really exist. Do I'm going to let you speak for yourself. Um, and like why you wanted to do this project, like what, what was it that excited you about doing the project? This idea of like toxic masculinity and how that became sort of the the, the seed of this opera. Do you know if you could talk about sort of your um, your experience with that and sort of how you conceive the music of this particular story? I remember saying this to to Beth um, when she reached out to me, saying that I don't think that I know anything about manhood because I don't identify as men, and also artistically, I also think that I don't care enough to write about manhood, but I care about my father. I, I was raised as a son as well, being that I was not raised as either a daughter or a son, but just someone who, who, who have that family lineage. So at that time, I really wanted to also uh, do something to tribute to my father and also especially to the family lineage, that what that means um, for multi-generation effort to becoming a musician, becoming an artist, moving from different cultures in a different uh, fields. 
so that I think is is a really important um, uh, entryway, and and I remember saying that if we could investigate that angle, that would be something that I would really feel connected with. Yeah, and I mean, we where we arrived, um, you know, with Michael, his he found this story, which is a true story about a couple going through a pregnancy and that's quite difficult. And um, at the time his wife had, had just had a miscarriage. So this story was like very um, front and center for him and Nathan, who is a father of five. And so the story, and Michael now has a daughter, um, Michael's um, I mean, the three of them as the three, you know, artistic heads of the project, their stories, um, their personal stories are sort of woven into the fabric of this libretto. And so it's been a really special project in that regard, because each of them has part of their personal history, part of their personal story in this libretto um, as it's been crafted. So I find that like sort of so intriguing, right? As you have this seed and then you, like you said, you weave in all these uh, sort of um, the the true story and then the the singer and also the librettist. So I'm trying to understand the, the title of the offer, right? In Our Daughter's Eyes. So how does that get woven into the story of fatherhood? Um, so the couple goes through a pregnancy that they learn that the baby has a disease that will mean it won't live probably more than a few minutes after its birth. And they decide to carry the baby to term in order to be able to um, have the baby be an organ donor because it's very hard to find organ donations for newborns and that they would actually be able to make you know, multiple newborns have life, um, even though their own child wouldn't have life. The story kind of goes through a number of different turns and whatnot, but in our daughter's eyes, it refers to the last scene, um, which is maybe giving away too much. So it's a bit of a spoiler, spoiler. So I don't know if we should actually say what it is. I don't think we should. I think it's too much of a spoiler. <laughs> So it's it's not just about the simple act of that relationship, but also it's about a self-transformation process. And I think in today's culture too, that is something that I feel the need of writing this piece on this man's story, because we need this kind of stories. We need the kind of stories where we see the transformation of, of a flawed human being wanting to transform for someone else that someone else is this daughter-to-be. And, and through that, it's also a self-realization and repentance and aspirations. And to me, that transformation is inspiration to, to engage and, and has a such important um, and critical place to have that dialogue in today's time. Yeah, I mean, that's really the heart of the story is the transformation of this man, um, this flawed man who um, wants to be a better man for his daughter and his wife. I mean, it's such a heartbreaking story and also a beautiful one. Yeah. It's beautiful. It, 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 yeah, I mean, it does. The heartbreaking elements of it, of course, exist in the in the piece, but the piece doesn't sit in a dark place. 
Um, it really doesn't. There's a lot of lightness in it. There's humor. Um, there's joy. There's heartfelt moments. Like it doesn't sit in a, in a, in a dark, gloomy place at all. And I think that speaks to sort of both of your talents, because um, as I watch and I listen to your music and your productions, um, I always think of it as such a creative sonic space where you're able to sort of bringing so many different sort of uh, musical genres and also like visual elements to create sort of different feelings right and and so maybe do young could you speak about sort of your um, musical genres that you are gonna um, you have infused into this story yes on paper you could say we are going to hear a lot of styles and a lot of um uh but those things are not important to me. What important to me is this nuance of complex nuance of this human nature. If we only paint this human psyche with one tone, one music tone, one music world, to me that's that's limiting because we go through life and we go through every single day so many ideas so many feelings and so many feels and how could this man experiencing one of those very exciting moments and very complicated moments in his life only withhold one emotion or one song world so it is my job to to lead us to lead the audience through all these corners of this human emotions so that this topic at hand has multi layers of definitions and and depth to it i see the space that you create as um as a very you know to use du young's word just now like a complex space right and then yet it like takes me to an imaginary world usually and then it lets me it allows my mind to be free to to experience the music and the visuals yeah i mean i i would say that i'm always looking for artists both visual and audio so composers and directors and designers um who are interested in creating a world and that it's a distinct world in and of itself and that that world is very vibrant in whatever way it needs to be, um, whether it's dark, whether it's light, whether, you know, whatever, um, but that it has its own vibrancy and its own characteristics that feel complete and that can feel trans you know, transportative to its own space. And so that's what I'm always looking for. And artists that are sort of working at the highest level, you know, that we can achieve. I always look for timbre, right? Like, I mean, I don't like the word genre and styles either, but it's about like the nuance of the timbres that you can almost like, when you hear it, you can see something different. And when you see something, you can hear something different. And I love this sort of like mixture of the two, which makes me wonder, you know, both of you are these... uh, as Stacy said, you know, powerhouses and you have such rich ideas. And so what is that collaborative process like? Do you talk a lot together? Do you sort of put it out there and then sort of get a sense of what Nathan is like too? Or Yeah, I mean, I think like the process for the creation of a work of this magnitude, so, you know, a chamber opera, an opera theater project, happens over many, many years and it happens over many workshops. And so, um, you know, it's bringing together the full creative team, which in this 
case was Do Yun, Michael McCulkin, Nathan Gunn, um, and myself as creative producer. And we all sort of worked in on the, all of the, the early work of the libretto. Um, and then um, our also our collaborator, Julian Walkner, who worked with um, Do Yun musically on an, a variety of um of things and the, the musical workshop that we did. And then our conductor, Kamna Gupta, who um, has also worked with Dion to bring the, you know, bring all of the um, notation and, and, and score and parts to sort of like the level that they need to be for the final stage, which is the world premiere. So it takes a lot of people, but it's a very close collaboration. And I think Dion could probably talk a lot about um, her collaboration with Michael as like her primary partner in the creation of this work. This is my second time working with Michael and and it's been such a joy to work with him. Uh, we worked uh, together on Angel's Bones and he was the director um, for the production with, with Beth and, and we did so many different interpretations of that production too. For this, because it's such a personal journey for, for him and his wife, Michael, I would say, is one of the most sensitive, sensitive cis male that I have encountered. And he's very considerate. And we spend a lot of time trying to not go to the easy interpretations of what it could mean or what it you know, so there's always this different layers. Again, you know, I'm always talking about layers, but we do explore that. We do explore, okay, this is the time that we, this is the, where the joy comes in, right? This is the, 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 the swirl of things happen and it's just numbness happens and how to achieve that. And, and through that, he was also gracious enough and generous enough to share what he's going through with me too. And I think that is important in a way that, because that didn't happen to me, it's so important to have that personal entanglement with this topic. And so that all these layers of interpretations of all these unexpected emotions that could be encountered. So, so that that communication and, and the moment, and then sometimes I would say, oh, I would also, what a, I, I would also wanted to have this kind of like sound world, you know, a screamo <laughs> or um, or very much kind of like a death metal <laughs> or something else. Or, and then where that beat could happen in the story. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things that I found really fascinating in this process was having Nathan involved from the beginning. As I mentioned, like the project idea started really with me and him um, as this exploration of manhood in the 21st century. So keeping him involved in the creative process throughout the whole process was something that was really important um, to him and to me to be able to fulfill for him. And so it's really like turning on its head the the singer being just an interpretive artist and having them also be a creative generative artist. And so I think one of the best 
examples was, I think it was our first libretto workshop of the full draft. And it was the four of us, I remember this so clearly, sitting in Duyun's apartment on the Upper East Side. And I just remember, and it was Michael's first time writing a libretto. And Duyun was basically just like, there's too many words, there's too many words, there's too many words. Um, And it's a classic thing of a first time librettist to like, way overwrite it right because um you're coming from theater or whatever and you know you use way more many words than you can or need to you know when you have music involved nathan who is who as we went through you know each song by song because it's sort of set up in in a song cycle structure um we went song by song and nathan would basically say you can cut out this entire paragraph all i need to convey this emotion or this this idea is this line and so having the performer who you know obviously a performer of Nathan's caliber and experience like he knows what he needs to put something across and so it was really I thought very beneficial to have him in that process um, from the beginning because I think he really, really informed the calling of the libretto. And then the other thing I, I think would be really fun to talk about is, you know, Nathan has done so many world premieres, like new music has been a part of his whole career. Um, and I remember saying to him um, early on, you know, I think um, I'd love for you to come to New York and have you and Dion spend an afternoon together, you know, working so that she can get a sense of your voice. And he's like, no, you know, I don't really need to do that. Like we can just get on Skype and, you know, have a session. I was like, no, I really think you need to, to do this. He's like, you know, yeah, I, I, I've done this so many times before. I can just sort of let the composer know, like, you know, what my basic range is, where, I, you know, I, if you want, you know, this sound or this sound, right in this tessitura. I was like, yeah, but you've never worked with an experimental composer before. And that's the difference. And he really pushed back on me. I finally got him to say yes. And so he he arrived and I'll let Duyun, I wasn't in on it. So I'll let her talk about it. But I remember him coming out of the session afterwards and him saying, um, you were right. <laughs> well, he was having so much fun doing so, you know, and I think Nathan has been such a great uh, collaborator um, in addition to being a great singer, just the openness and the care and invest to the story and all that, but also just sort of like, okay, just throw it to me, you know, throw it at me and and let me try things. And I'll just, I'll write, sometimes, you know, I, I will hear things, but I don't, there's no like terminology really for it. Um, not like cola voce, you know, like those, it's not like that, right? Like, okay, how do you write kind of like a screamer, but not like a death, like in between that kind of like genre things. And I will write something in your language. And he thought it was really funny, but then we are like, you know, experiments of like, what is that emotion that I wanted to investigate? And I think that also is the exciting part, like the process so that it's not, because otherwise it's just, everybody's different, right? That we're talking about singers. It's it's not like a cold instrument. It's when you feel emotional, you also range feel different to the depth, the color, the tone, the timbre, Tiffany, as you were saying, is also different. I don't really care for that high E flat F sharp. 
I, but I care about how that emotion go to there and how long this will, will sustain what a breath gonna sound like and, and so on and so forth. So that to me is a much more, more critical than where um, the range is. The range is all contextual. Yeah, and you know, that, so this, this meeting of the two of them happened before Duyun had written any music. So then we got to, we did a, a workshop together in Nathan's hometown um, in Champaign-Urbana um, at the University of Illinois. And it was again, the four of us, and it was sort of like the, the first early, early music workshop. And so we're kind of going through, you know, what Dion had written and Nathan gets to a marking and Dion said it a couple of times now, um, it's marking screamo. And he stops and he just kind of goes, huh. And he looks at Dion and he says, I have no idea what you want me to do here. <laughs> and what it, what it essentially is, is like a death metal scream. And she kind of explained that. And, um, and he said, yeah, I don't know how to do that. And so in the next workshop that we did, I engaged the man who I consider is the best voice coach in New York, um, Andrew Byrne. And he specifically taught Nathan how to scream healthfully in his voice. And so there's this moment in the score where there's this death metal scream that Nathan does. And you think, oh my God, Nathan is going to ruin his voice doing this. But no, he doesn't feel anything. It feels great. Like he 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 learned how to do it healthfully. Um, and so, you know, that's just one example of, you know, working with an experimental composer like Duyun is, you know, he's not just getting up there and singing it the way he's always done it. You know, it's like, there's a lot of very different vocal colors and just modes of expression with his voice that he hasn't really explored before this. And so that's been really exciting for him. As Dion said, he's such a game artist. Like he just kind of comes to everything saying, yeah, I'll give it a go. Um, and, you know, does his best. Luckily, his best is really always pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, this is super exciting. So if, I, if we can sort of fast forward to today, which is now, I think you're about four or five days away from the world premiere. Um, and you guys are in the last sort of um, stretch of the rehearsal. Um, is there anything sort of exciting you want to share with us? Anything new, anything to changes now that everything is sort of coming to a close and ready for opening? This time is so exciting because anything can go wrong. And, and then at the end of the production meeting is make sure that everything don't go wrong the next day. So, um, I mean, this is the excitement of theater, of, of, of live performance, right? And I think to, to, that's why we want to share with our audience and that kind of this raw energy that we know this piece is very special, but to be honest, we don't know what exactly um, this could feel until we drop the curtain. But that to me is exciting. That to me, because it's just life. You know, if I, I know I'm going to die. Yeah. But the living part is, is, is exciting. Um, the kind of um, uh, uh, the flaws and then how to make those happen and how to how to share this very, you know, very personal stories. Oh, it is. A, it is super, super exciting. And, and the way you've both talked about it in such sort of nuances of, of something that is, you know, 
so topical today and um you've captured something that we do need to discuss right in this and raw area. and raw very raw and i that's something that it's my guidelines it's like because life is raw you can't polish it so so it's just my job it really is just how to have this raw emotion still kind of make sense to communicate with our audience but by the end of the time that you know the audience go home still have that retain that raw energy and and and, and hopefully see this transformation of um this person that they can really relate with because i feel we all have seen those men around our lives and and i do say that behind a lot of strong women there are great role models and we need like really good role model stories to be told yeah and just to kind of go back to the question of like this week and for me this week is about all of the elements coming together um so of course like we've only seen the scenic model now there's an actual set um which is truly one of the most exciting moments is walking into the theater after the scenic load-in and seeing what it looks like it's seeing nathan evolve this character um now that he is in his environment now that he is in the clothes you know that he really embodies this this character now the most exciting moment and often the most terrifying moment of any process is opening night and you know putting it in front of the audience and seeing how you know we think this piece is incredible we want we hope that everybody else does too and we're going to find out you know does did did we all do our jobs and 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 create something that feels um relatable universal poignant meaningful all of those things that we're all going for in the creation of any work like this super exciting with only a few days i am definitely looking forward to this now now that we have some a little bit of an insight and i know you don't want to spoil the ending for us which is fine <laughs> that way we go and we experience this and and to you know and i want to go in now with a, a lot of sort of openness right so that i can experience the rawness that you're talking about to experience you know the unexpected and to leave and i think we're going to leave transformed because we will see the transformation itself on stage. So thank you so much, Beth and Du Young. Yeah. Um, and I hope everyone gets to go. I hope so too. You know, it's a very human story and I, I hope that people relate to it in that way. As there's a lot of humanity in this piece. Tickets to the world premiere of In Our Daughter's Eyes are available now at laopera.org. You've been listening to LA Opera's Behind the Curtain. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, you'll want to make sure you don't miss an episode. Please subscribe and leave a rating or review on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen. Remember to share with your friends on your favorite social media, and we'll see you at the opera. Opera.